You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 353. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our Scandinavian journey with the Norwegian Netflix fantasy series, Ragnarok. Uh, dude, I cut the lawn today. I had to get my winter coat out again. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I grilled some steak for dinner, but yeah, I, had to, I, was, I was in shorts and my uh, winter jacket. Oh, you're so. that guy. Yeah, with that guy. <laughs> yeah, I saw that guy at the grocery store over the weekend wearing his lacrosse shorts and a t-shirt. And of course, I've got my L.L. Bean thermal coat on. And uh, so, yeah, we've said this many times, life in Maryland. But yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, so we got a lot to talk about with this episode. And, and yeah, I'm going to throw some ideas out at you. And, and uh, I'm really curious to see how you respond but you know you guys out there if you want to respond send us an email with questions feedback whatever the email is sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com you can go to the website leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab record your own the way fred does each week send it as an attachment but as we say each week consider joining the facebook group and and you know we get a new few new members each week and get into the discussions there and I've been mentioning the last few weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about the pilot episode of the TNT sci-fi series Snowpiercer that's going to premiere Sunday, May 17th. So that will be next week's release on Friday, the 22nd. And then we'll, of course, resume with Ragnarok. So it's going to be a real short turnaround for the two of us. And Fred posted some things in the Facebook group. And I'm pretty sure he... he put a little mini spoiler warning because there's there's a lot of information out there where does this show fit in terms of the movie timeline and i saw a really good diagram for that and i was reluctant to even look at it so i just kind of shied away so i don't even want to say anything right now have you seen any of that kind of stuff no, and I will not look at anything like that at all. Yeah, I think that's certainly wise on your part, and, and I'm going to stay away. And the, and the little bit that I got spoiled, it's yeah, I mean, it's only a timeline spoiler, so I'm sure that would be something that got put out there right at the beginning of the TV series, but we will see. All right, tip of the week, what we're watching. I am watching the HBO alternate history series, The Plot Against America. Have you checked mm-hmm. that out at all? Yeah, I think it was it was my pick of the week. Oh, it was. One week, I think. Oh, yeah. I think you know, you know what you're right. Phil, but do tell. Good. Yeah. I'm glad we well, can talk well, about. You it know, now, uh, again, just Wayne probably mentioned this way back. It, it employs Philip Roth's 2004 novel as a jumping off point for a story that finds Charles Lindbergh defeating FDR in the 1940 presidential election, and then the fundamentals of the country shift and and i'm only halfway through because you know my wife is really into it but it is so heavy and i think you know now that you you say it i i recall talking a little bit about it at the time when you brought it up that so many of the things are relatable to what's going on in our politics currently and Roth wrote this in 2004, so it's not as if some screenwriter put this together after Donald Trump was elected, and, and right. you know we had all this. So it's uh, it's a pretty heavy show. It's really good. Some great acting, 
And, uh, you know, again, I, I can't talk too much about it because I, I don't know a whole lot. You know, in, in the point I'm at, FDR just was defeated by Lindbergh, but we really haven't seen what Lindbergh's going to do, even though we kind of get an inkling of where the shift is going to take place. For one thing, it's always been like this kind of historical what if, like, you know, how did a country as as cultured and as quote unquote advanced as Germany was in the early 30s, how do they descend into fascism? Right. How does a country with Berlin, which is one of the art- artistic centers of the world, create concentration death camps? You know, and that's part of what the plot against America starts kind of answers that like, you know, could it happen here? Well, you know, if it would, here's how it could potentially happen. And uh, and certainly the the commentary on and the links to today's situation are, are very difficult to miss. Um, some might call them heavy handed at times, but. Overall, it was just a really, really good series. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it now because we can talk about it once you're you're done. Right, and, and, um, and you know, I would only say it's heavy-handed had the novel been written in 2018 or 17, or you know, right. I haven't read the novel. Just I wonder how how much the novel was changed. Oh, the screenplay, I, I you know? see what you're saying. Right. I mean, the novel came out in 2004. Right, but that doesn't right, mean right. it wasn't changed to reflect contemporary uh society so uh anyway what are you watching so i uh i got caught up and finished uh season four of the last kingdom which i told you is going to be your new favorite show man so as soon as you start watching it it's going to be all downhill from there for you okay um and uh you know it's just such a good like there's just for i mean just like for me personally just checks off a lot of boxes like Vikings, check, got those. Okay. Um, action, check, has action. Uh, intrigue, yes. Romance, yes. Sex scenes, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, manipulative manipulations of machinations of people in power, check. You know, uh, historical figures, check. You know, just like the, all these. And it just it's just a really good story and, and uh you know you can't help but root for utrecht of bebenberg um and and want him to succeed he's just such a great heroic figure like almost an anti-hero i guess in many ways so you know and obviously whenever you have a new season of something there's a concern that the current season won't be as good and that you know especially characters die here and there and without these characters you know the show isn't as good quote unquote but, uh, you know, Last Kingdom just seems to kill it every single season. Uh, dude, I, I'm really looking forward to it. So I just haven't found the right moment yet. So. Okay, well, once you do, get ready, man. Right. And, of course, as soon as I start, it'll it'll leave Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, the, it, after season four, it, it, the story is clearly not done. Okay, good. Um, and I know the the guy Bernard Cornwell, I believe, is his name. He's still with us, and he wrote the the novels that, that is based on. Um, and he might even still be writing these. So uh, they have loads and loads of source material, I believe. 
All right. Well, sounds good. Well, speaking of sounding good, let's get to uh, tonight's topic, which is episode four of Ragnarok. Janungagap. How'd I do? I think you did all right. Okay. Despite Eric pronouncing it two different ways in his classroom, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Written by Christian Gamst Miller Harris. And that name didn't initially sound Norwegian, and it's not. He's English. Uh, directed by Yannick Johansson, who directed three episodes of Rita, which is a show I've mentioned before. It's a, a non-genre show, but it just is really awesome. So I mentioned a few minutes ago that I wanted to throw th- some things out there to see okay. how you react. And All right, let's do it. Looking at the episode, coming on the heels of Impulse and our criticisms of that show, we get a lot of answers in this episode. Are they given to us too easily? That, that was my first reaction, and I, I think... I'm wrong in thinking that, but right away, the opening scene, we get that superimposed text, which tells us about the chaos monsters who are these beasts in North North mythology that team with giants to fight the gods. And, and, you know, we've got the serpent, the wolf, the hellhound. And and of course we identify at least one, I I guess uh, we would have to say Vidar's dog is probably the hellhound. Yeah. Pretty, pretty clearly. Yep. Um, And then in Eric's classroom, when he's telling them about the trip they're going to take into the mountains, which is the title of the episode, and one of the students points out that it's a key location in the Vikings creation myth, and he talks about Thor being tested by the giants who made them made him drink mead. Girl sitting next to Saxa points out that the giants were the bad guys. So those two scenes alone... I think we pretty much have verification that the Utils are giants. Would you yeah, agree? Absolutely. Okay. Especially Sax's vehement defense of the giants, basically claiming that Norse history as we're taught it, or no, I'm sorry, not history, Norse mythology as we're taught it is fake news. Okay. So I guess With going a clearly back to, liberal bias. Uh, okay. So then going back to my initial thought, is this just really good, tight writing or are they just giving it to us too easily? No. Okay. So here's my take on this. And actually, this this actually ties in with a conversation, a family conversation we had last night. So we are going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies um, chronologically, like as they would have happened historically, I guess, not the not when they were made. Okay. <clears throat> so last night, it was time for Iron Man. Right, okay. and so we, that led us talking about Iron Man two, and my one son said that that movie sucked. I said I thought it was okay. I thought it was better than Iron Man three. He said Iron Man three is the best, and he he's a very contrarian young man, in case you haven't noticed. But I was like, well, no, I didn't like Iron Man three because Tony Stark isn't really Iron Man for most of the movie. It's just Tony Stark running around, which is a lot of people point out to that is exactly why it's a good movie i didn't care for it as much but you know so then brent my son pointed out that in iron man one he is also not iron man for like half the movie and i said well yeah but that's his origin story he's becoming iron man and that is cool to watch in and of itself you know so 
how does that relate here? Well, it also relates in the the Peter Parker origin story as well, right? We don't want to see Peter Parker as Peter Parker. And this is where Impulse went terribly wrong, right? They spent all this time, two seasons of Henry as basically just Henry, right? We want to see Peter Parker become Spider-Man. We want to see Tony Stark become Iron Man. I didn't, you know, buy or rent, pay for this movie to to watch Peter Parker, a high school kid, run around the whole time and not become Spider-Man until, you know, there's 15 minutes left in the movie. So what I think is that this is indeed an example of good, tight writing here and not giving it away too early because we we want Magna to become Thor. We're pretty sure he's Thor in episode one and they confirm it by episode four and I, I like that. I like that we, we we still get some of that. He's in the process of becoming a hero. And now here's the good part, right? Here's the part where Tony Stark first really officially becomes Iron Man, where Peter Parker first puts on the Spider-Man suit, right? Now here's what we've been waiting for, to see the hero become the hero and to start, you instead of just testing out his powers, to actually start using them. Yeah, and I think that's a great assessment of of what's going on here. And it's really the conclusion that I came to as I did my rewatch is that, no, this is really good writing. They knew they only had six episodes. As we said before, we don't know whether or not they found out they got a second season early enough to factor that in or not. And we've talked about whether there's going to be the big confrontation by the end of this season. And I think we both agree that, yeah, there there absolutely will be. But, yeah, I mean, this is the fourth episode. So we get the verification of who the two opposing forces are. And while we still don't necessarily know who that woman in the grocery store is, uh, I think we're still – you know, going to stick with our assessment that her companion is probably Odin in some form. But the story that I just want to bring up in terms of impulse, because we said the, the Anna Holche storyline and impulse seemed to kind of fizzle out as if they didn't really know where to go with it. And I wonder what's happening with the story of Isolde's death. I mean, Magna won't let it go for sure, mm-hmm. but it seems he's he's found himself in a much bigger conflict now that it's becoming clearer who the Utils actually are. And is it so important to bring them to justice for the death of Isolde, or do we have to say there's a much bigger picture at play? Well, yeah, I mean, clearly there's, there is definitely a, a bigger picture at play. But um, obviously, that last shot of Magna walking to his house with blood all over his clothes, like, he is the Thunderer, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he is going to bring down vengeance upon the Udals. And, um, and he knows it now, right? Now, he's not just some goofy kid who is uncertain of himself. Now he is becoming... Now he he knows he's Thor. He knows what he can do. He just ripped a hellhound's mouth apart and killed it with his bare hands. Like he knows, you know, it, it's it's time to to bring the noise, right. as Chuck D would say. Right, and I mean, he goes 
to see Eric with the blood evidence, and now is, I guess, as good a time as any. Uh, all right, let, let me get this straight. Your teacher ran a blood test for you, <laughs> comes back with the results. Right. And that's... Oh, hey, the, the, hey, Magna, I got the results from your murdered friend's jacket. Right. Some now, interesting findings. <laughs> but when that's not even close to being the worst example of a teacher <laughs> anyway but but he goes to see eric did you notice what he was wearing magna yeah he's got a washington redskins shirt on what is that all about i it, don't know what the hell <laughs> i mean you know i think we've made it pretty clear we're baltimore ravens fans yeah and i'm not a redskins hater though i know well, a lot of baltimore people are but i'm not yeah I, you know i think you are of the age you you just kind of miss the animosity and and i'm not going to go into the reasons why but there are some legitimate reasons but you know now they suck so bad and have for so long <laughs> that I, I it's it feels wrong to hate them i i, I mean when you've got the patriots out there i mean you know yeah exactly well right exactly it's like it's like kicking a kicking a wounded horse or something like that you know? but, exactly you know my, my my thought is that i guess if you're a norwegian kid and you want to get an nfl team shirt well redskins ones probably are available and at pretty cheap <laughs> prices you know? yeah, anybody can you won't go be able to find lamar jackson jersey though my friend but you can find plenty of redskins stuff. exactly now you know you mentioned that final scene when the bloodied magna turns up and hovers over his mother but but let's talk about turid for a a moment because she is the mother of thor and it's easy i think to to lose her in everything that's going around but you know the next morning she's packing lunches and and asks about the dinner and, and you know she's really interested i mean she's you know, I, I think a lot of us are fascinated with the rich and famous. And in this case, she actually knows these people because, you know, as we've said, she had a thing with Vidar back in the day, I guess, when they were teenagers. But she's not real happy when she finds out there was alcohol. I don't know about you, but I was expecting her to maybe give a reaction when she heard that there was mead served. But that just seemed to, you know, fly by her. But well, she does say like the mead does strike, and she's like, "Mead? Are you kidding me?" Like that, like that's the one she's like. Well, yeah, but the, that's that's when she's talking to Ran in her office. No, she and, says it to the boys. Oh, she when, does. Okay, because yeah. because number one, good for her confronting sure. Ran about serving alcohol to minors. But but I guess that was the one that struck me when she hears about the mead. And she starts saying about it being illegal, and I was thinking like, "Oh, what, meat is illegal," but yeah. no, and, and of course I'm thinking, oh, "Okay, meat is illegal because something to do with Norse." But no, she was just talking about alcohol, right? But she then tells her, you know, her parting statement is, "Do not underestimate Magna," and I guess I'm wondering whether his bloody image hovering over her in that final scene as she wakes up uh you know from her nap on the couch is that going to awaken anything in her i mean does she have something you know some sense of recognition perhaps that you know who her son in fact is 
Uh, that's a, that's a really good question because that is something. Obviously, we wonder is how much of this these mythological aspects of that are around the town um, of Edda. You know, how much does she really know about that? Does she know about it at all? Which also kind of like the elephant in the room is, you know, Magnus' father, right? You know, yeah. Um, was he one of these gods like you know is this something that is passed on genetically or you know i mean like there's just loads of questions we have about the the you know the nature of all the people who are uh seemingly embodiments of of people from norse mythology so yeah like so how much does she know does she know or she still you know she seems pretty shocked <laughs> when her son comes home she um she, I don't, I don't know if she really seems to be in on it, but you know, she might. Well, you know what? I kept waiting for that classic line, it's not my blood. Right. But, right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. but, you know, the other thing, as you said, trying to get a sense of who these different characters are, we still don't get any clarity on Laritz yet. Although I think I, I'm still going with Loki. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see if we get any verification of that in the last two episodes. But, we talked about Gree and whether or not she's going to play a central role. And, and she does seem to be getting caught in the middle here, but Fjord's crush on her seems genuine. Don't you think? Um, I mean, what would yes. his, adv- what, right. what would be his reasoning for getting close to her? Yeah. Well, nothing except they like toying with humans. Well, okay. But I, I think he really does like her, and I wonder because there are some things that are said along the way within the Eudel family that perhaps this might be his fatal flaw that he falls in love because you know they were talking about the last battle, and and somebody says, you know, when they were doing that whole thing about everybody putting their hand on the axe, you know, signifying that you're in on this, and he is a little reluctant and somebody says something like, uh, Oh, is this going to be like last time? Well, Mm. what happened last time? And we'll we'll get more into that when we talk about their family, you know, this, this crush that he has on her now gets in the way of the crush. You know, I, is it fair to say that Magna has a crush on her? Cause, Oh yeah. You know, but I, I guess, I always felt like he had a crush on Isolde. Now, granted, she told him that that she liked so- uh, Saxa, but still, uh, you know. So I guess it, maybe he did just see her as a friend, and he does have a crush on Gree. And it's really a nice scene when when she tells him, you know, you can't say that stuff out loud. People right. are going to pick on you, and and you know, use it to get to you. And and while she seems to be able to brush it off easily enough uh well i mean and she like and she doesn't mean to hurt him but she's like you know i'm into fjord right and it's just like what like ah uh, you know like not only do you not have it not only have you been shoved into the friend zone uh, a, a realm from which no man can ever escape but she's into the the you know the rich good-looking kid and there's just, what, what are you going to do with that? You, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. All right. Now, adult teacher 
mistake number two. <laughs> All right, so Eric takes them up into the mountains. Um, they're playing some form of truth or dare, which is you know when all that comes out. Um, you know, I'm going to go hike up in the mountains. You guys have fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's go paragliding. Right. Um, didn't his daughter just die? Yeah. Paragli- so. Right. Well, let's go. Let's go paragliding down to the cabin where we'll get drunk and have sex. Exactly. Now. <laughs> Uh, they do kiss at her initiation and he, you know, again, he uses that classic line, you know, Hey, I'll wait however long, you know, uh, whenever you're ready. And she's like, I'm ready now. Okay. And score. And of course, Magna looks in the window, sees the two of them naked under a blanket. And then, you know, we got that scene last week where Magna looks at himself in the mirror. And, and of course we see what turns out to be Thor, she looks at herself in the mirror, and I kept waiting for her yeah. to change. Yeah, but well, I think that they did that purposely, kind of the toy with us. You know, have her look in the mirror like, ooh, is she going to be someone like, oh, no, it's just creep. Oh, right, but there is a look on her face where she has changed, and I think we are safe in assuming this was her first time. And she seems pleased with what what has happened as opposed to, feeling regret or remorse so sure. now granted well, when she before we judge her too harshly you know let's say that if your is rich good looking popular funny i mean he basically checks all the boxes for pretty much any girl ever anywhere so for us to judge her and say well why is she going for this guy when she's got sweet goofy magna well listen my friends the only time when sweet, goofy Magna wins out over the good-looking rich kid is on TV. And yes, this is a TV show, but you know, like if you're going to try to be at least a little realistic, like I have no problem with that because it's more realistic. Like, who is a girl going to go for? Right? Of course, yeah. she's going to go for the kid with the super cool car and the nice clothes and and the, you know and everything like that. Right. Now, I was a little confused. You you mentioned the cabin. Where do they actually paraglide? Is that the Udall home or is that just like a cabin they have nearby? Because when she wakes up, he's still asleep naked under the blanket. And she goes into, I guess, is Vidar's creepy study. And I start thinking about Christian Gray's playroom. (laughs) We get in there. Yeah. (laughs) And we see that Viking axe, some kind of head. But it's the photo album that she looks through and the telltale one of the family looking like they look now. Sax's hair is a little longer, but it's dated 1899. And of course, as I said, they look all the same. Fior comes in, tells her she can never go in there. Well, yeah, too late. Obviously, it gives the viewer some knowledge that, okay, we, you know, we know that they live a long time. They don't age and all of that. But there were also other photos in that album that did not appear to be them. Did do you agree with that, or did I? Uh, I didn't. I couldn't really. I couldn't really tell. Honestly, I mean, there were definitely ones in there that were them. Um, I, I didn't pause it to to walk up to the TV and look to see what the other was. So very, it could be. I, I, I don't know. Okay, because what I started wondering. Have they been inhabiting these same bodies 
all you know for centuries or right. however long or do they jump into new bodies so uh, i'm not sure whether or not that album really tells us any i mean even if there are other people in the album they could have been other giants that you know that they were in cahoots with but either way you, you know we start thinking about genre shows and when uh, naive characters are presented some monumental information oh yeah well, time travel of course that would be my first uh, reaction to how yeah. that happened uh, when you really think about it she sees the photo 1899 the logical reaction is oh they went to a photo studio yeah. they, they got into these outfits that right you know look like what we would dress in 18. It's a little weird how much they did it, but yes. you know, okay. That, that would definitely be the Occam's razor of, of that. Yeah. So, uh, now the other thing talking about Magna for a second and, and with, uh, apologies to Jimi Hendrix and voodoo child, I'm sitting there thinking, cause the first lines in that, you know, I, I stand up next to a mountain, chop it down with the side of my hand as he's, punching down a tree with his bare mm-hmm. hands that's pretty cool that was pretty cool does thor periodically reappear in different guises the woman in the grocery store certainly r- recognizes him as thor you know we don't get an answer here but right. it, it, it's certainly something well, that well that, the utils clearly thought that all the, the gods were dead Right, right, because they're like he can't be him. They, they're, they're gone. We killed them, right? Um, right. And Thor did die in Ragnarok, but apparently uh, he wasn't quite dead. In going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, whether this is tight writing or they're giving us things too easily, you know, we see Magna googling Mead, and then of course that leads him into all these images of Thor and the giants and. and and again, it verifies things not only for us, but for him as well, that he's coming to this realization that my eyesight's better, I'm infinitely stronger, I can run faster, I apparently don't bleed or I heal quickly. The The dog has his arm and, and his arm seems to be, you know, bitten, but it almost looked like it healed fairly quickly as well. So, you know, when she tells him it's always been within you, I just opened your eyes. Well, what exactly does that mean? And I don't know, maybe it's not important. uh, I think it's a pretty important line. I mean, clearly, I mean, what she follows it though, with the fact that the giants have been operating unopposed to ruin the earth. Of course, we know she's referring to the Utils. Someone must challenge them, and of course, we we know that he's ready to, you know, go all vigilante and and defend Isolta's, you know, death, and and he maybe doesn't know exactly what happened yet, but he's got a pretty good idea at this point that the Utils are involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Fred mentions in his feedback about the old tongue as the consummate test of determining who he is. I really like that as a plot device. Well, I I like how the first time when, um, when Saxa Fjord, tried on him in school and he just doesn't answer them 
You know, yeah. so I think that is the total gangster move because you're like, maybe I understood you and maybe I didn't. You're not going to, you know. So then later when he, he responds in kind to, uh, to Fidar, um, we knew that he understood them back then. It was messing with them, which shows him stepping up his game. Yeah. Yeah. No question. You know, and, and you know, I mentioned Christian Gray's playroom. And of course, we get that image of Vidar wearing the leather apron or whatever that is as he's butchering. It, it looked like it should have been in Dexter, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, what the hell is going on with this field trip? You yeah. know? Yeah. You got. The chaperones are butchering deer. The teacher goes off. Kids are paragliding down the mountain to have sex. Uh, another kid is ripping dogs apart with his bare hands. Like, yeah. here's a knife. Let's see how you do. <laughs> and of course, that's the, the the second test using the old tongue. And Magna tells him that you won't get away with it. So, you know, we know that the 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 confrontation is imminent. We might not get it next week. You start thinking of the way game of Thrones unfolded in, in various seasons. So it's almost like next week I'll bet is the, the buildup, the, the preparation for the battle. And then the sixth Mm -hmm. and final episode will be the battle game of Thrones. We'd actually then have one more where we'd see the aftermath, but I guess we'll have to wait for season two, but, uh, you know, finally, the Udall's response to Magna and the realization and recognition of what he likely is. I don't know that they know he's Thor yet, but one like him hasn't been seen for a thousand years. Who are the they that re- they refer to? Uh, the, the gods. The gods are back. Mm-hmm. And we've got to have a call for action. But... I mentioned a few minutes ago about Fjord and and is he sort of the thorn in the family side? Because he says, well, what if he's like us? Then he'll be the closest ally we've ever had. Now, is he just thinking outside of the box to a certain extent that, well, let's not jump to conclusions. Maybe he's this because that will allow him to pursue Gree. Again, you know, they had that thing last week, you know, no girlfriends, no boyfriends, no fun, right, no this, right. right? And that seems to have gone straight out the door. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I wonder whether he's going to be the chink in the Udall family armor, you know, once this battle starts. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, 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 we could definitely see. Him being an opposing force to Vidar, right? Like they're kind of polar opposites. Yeah, sure. And and even the two women in the family, they're pretty hardcore. Yeah, I'd say Saxon more so than, than, than Ron, but yeah, definitely. Now, is that owing to her youth? And I say that. Right. With a certain amount of, uh, I, I don't Do know. Do the what. air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I forget who asks her how old her dog is. And she says, uh, you know, I really don't know. Yeah. And, and that's probably true. But the answer also, even if she did know, is not going to be acceptable. 
So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or believable. Scene, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we get the scene of, of Ran in the milk bath when Vidar gets home. And um, it took That's me back how, to you're, you're thousands of years old. You need ways to keep your skin with, you know, looking uh, good. Yeah, I think Fred uh, mentions that. Uh, and he put something on the Facebook group as well about her milk bath. Was it, Is it really just a beauty treatment or is it a level of seduction? Um, I think it can be both. Yeah. And, and uh, it took me back to some scenes from uh, Defiance. You watch Defiance, right? Uh-huh. You know, with... Uh, oh, yeah. You know. I'm with um, you. Although, yeah, not so much the creepy scenes with the son and his mother getting, getting a little too close yeah. for comfort. But, uh, <laughs> um you know, they disagree about the human killings, but they do agree something's got to be done about Magna. You know, he refers to her as his wife, and, and we speculated what the, what's the deal with the family dynamic here. You know, are there points in time where uh, Saxa and Fjord are the adults and Ran and Vidar are the kids? Because that certainly seemed to be implied. Uh, but, you know, he he does refer to her as his wife and uh yeah puts his hand in the milk yeah just just wanted a taste of the milk i'm sure um uh he puts his hand fairly yeah. deep into the milk yeah and we'll stop there <laughs> but did you did you notice though in that scene it was then followed by Turid emptying leftover cereal milk into the sink. I did not notice. I can't home. believe I didn't notice that. Uh, which I thought was <laughs> a, a nice touch. I'm not sure what it means exactly. I think it's just a, it's a kind of a funny transition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To show the, you know, here you have them where Ron, Ron, Ron can take a bath full of milk as this super wealthy, yeah. The, the luxury that she lives in to the, I wouldn't say they live, they don't live in squalor. That's not it. But you know, for the much less luxurious life of uh, Magda and his family. Right. Well, now that she's painted the interior lavender or whatever color the <laughs> right. boys were complaining about, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a house that needed some attention. She's clearly been giving it attention. Uh, she's got a job as an accountant in this corporation that financially probably does pretty well so you know they're they're not rich but but they're doing okay and she sure. can go and order three double cheeseburgers and fries and whatever yeah, sure, uh, but well of course we know that you know matt we saw last week magna's appetite is you know to state it plainly you know pretty ravenous yeah now um, you know, you know you mentioned him killing the dog and obviously he had no choice. And while we've mentioned many times over the podcast, neither of us really is too cool with, you know, children being put in danger and bad, and bad things being done to children. I'm not real cool with animals either. He had no choice, arguably the most gruesome scene in the series. But then when Vidar yeah. finds the dog lying on top of the rock, is, is this Magna sending him a message? Oh, no doubt. Okay. And I, and I think from a visual standpoint, you get past the, the horror of it. Although this is a hellhound for goodness sake. So no, I mean, it's still tough to, to watch. It is. And, and not enjoyable. Yeah. You know? 
It is. Couldn't they have made the hell cat? It made it a lot easier to, to stomach, but, you know, like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Now, the last thing I wanted to bring up, and, and again, as always, anything you want to bring up that we missed, uh, I'm not sure what this really has to do with the overall arc. The new girl in class. Right. The teacher introduces deal? her. I think her name is Iman. Because we have an opening since one of our other kids died in a horrific accident. Yeah. It's like, okay. And, no, but, and dude, and that's not the worst. Oh, you must know Aisha. Yeah. <laughs> but why? Because we're the only two people of color in this yeah. class. You think we, yeah. I mean, could he be any more racist? Yeah. So it's, again, European viewers and listeners, it, Am I losing my mind here, or is <laughs> I, I feel like I mean obviously that is completely unacceptable, and uh, I think even like I, I, when I, when I say that you know these things are able to happen because it's in Europe and things are more liberal, I I do it jokingly with the understanding that you know you know people are pretty much the same the the world over, and that uh, having teenagers over your house and getting them drunk is not okay. Um, having a field trip where the teacher just walks off is not okay. Assuming that one girl of color knows another one is definitely not okay. Yeah. Um, but I think they, they kind of, I think that's part of the charm of this show actually is that you're watching like the field trip is just the best example. You're watching this just like, this is just, just one disaster after another, like, you know, and just the, the, the complete, inappropriateness of it and how how unlike real life it is um i think makes it kind of i don't necessarily say fun, but i think it, to me at least it's a little funny you well, know it, well it is and then i started trying to come to some sort of a assessment why do we have this new girl in the class right so there's got to be a reason. I mean, there doesn't have to be, but if it's good writing, and I think the writing's been pretty good to this point, she's been brought on board for a reason. And while we know Lawrence has a crush on Fjord, it doesn't mean he doesn't like girls as well. And he does seem to be kind of hanging around her. And is that because Fjord has gravitated towards Gree? I mean, we don't really know, but... Yeah, I think we need to keep our eyes on uh, this new girl, Iman. So, yeah, definitely. Just saying. But yeah, well, I mean, just the the fact that, that you know they obviously make this big deal of introducing her, and then basically that's it for her for the rest of the episode. And we're like, so what's up with the new girl? You know, so obviously she has a, a significant part to play, and to again to speculate that she might also be a guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of the danger of now. Like, Oh, who's who you like every single character now has to align with some, you know, God or, or, or giant from Norse mythology. And that obviously is not the case. And, and just like a West world, like not every single character is a host, but you know, there, there is definitely a, a level of importance that's, put on to imam here and it'll be you know we'll have to wait and see what what comes of this yeah all right anything you want to bring up before we get to fred's feedback 
Yeah, one thing. So there's like looking at Lawrence, I'm like, man, what, like I feel like I've seen him before. I know I haven't, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, now I know. He looks like Lars Ulrich of Metallica. <laughs> at least what Lars Ulrich used to look like when okay. he was much, much younger. Does he not? Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know sure. Lars Ulrich, I believe, is Danish, not uh, not Norwegian, but yeah, I think he looks a lot like him. So. That might be it. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, a lot of our listeners probably know Daryl Darnell from you know various podcasts that he does over Golden Spiral Media. Dude, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of Daryl, but he looks exactly like James Hetfield. Oh, yeah? And I'm surprised that more people don't post that on his Facebook page. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, listen, let's uh, hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Norwegian series Ragnarok Season 1, Episode 4. First off, my whole analysis of last week about Norwegian versus Icelandic and that Fidor was talking to his dog, another language, and that in the dubbed version a certain part was not dubbed and why and etc. Well, it all became clear in this episode. This old tongue is, well, probably has some roots in Icelandic, whatever, but it's a, it's a separate language, obviously. This episode showed that this language is really important because it also was one of the tests from the Utul family to test who Magne could be. And Magne can understand it. Good to hear that you also, Dave, listened to the dubbed version and that you actually liked the quality of it. Big disappointment for me was what Gree did, because last episode and last feedback I said she could be the strong woman next to Magne, and that she could be his sidekick, if we are talking Towns and Henry Impulse-like sidekicks. But she did fly away with him and lands up in bed with him, and I find that a little weak, because I thought she was stronger and Probably she will regret it, but although everybody likes Fjord and he's not unique, she still goes for him, and, well, I was disappointed by that. But from the perspective of storytelling, it is, of course, interesting, because this makes the battle between not only Fidor and Magne, but also perhaps over this girl between Fjord and Magne. Actually, I have a little bit a nitpick. What is this Eric doing? He's going with his kids on a camp into the mountains and he leaves them alone. He's going wander off on his own. Nobody is checking that Fjord and Gree are suddenly gone. Well, Lauritz does, but that's about it. What kind of camp is this and what kind of... Well, it, it, it looks like it's under the supervision of the school or it is a school outing. So what are the responsibilities there? Or does Eric leave everything to Vidar, knowing he is there to watch the kids? On the other hand, Eric's own daughter goes on her own Isolde into the mountains uh, every now and then. But we also know how that worked out. So especially going on camp and just having lost one of the students. Um, yeah, a little bit too liberal, even for European standards, Wayne. What I found a terrific scene is when 
Magna is going to the supermarket and is meeting Wenxia and she, he is just standing behind her and she doesn't even look up and she's fully aware that he's there and just saying, your tour. Another very nice one was, of course, when Gree has a big discussion with Saxa in class and Magna hands her his tangles after she more or less lost the argument. I also like the old drawings of Norse mythology and the similarities Magna sees there between what he experienced and what is in these drawings. Very nice. Talking about Norse mythology, also Rand's milk bath could have to do something with Norse mythology. In the Norse mythology there is some cow that gives milk and that feeds the giants, etc. I placed something on the Facebook page about that. On the other hand, it could just be a beauty treatment like Cleopatra did. And I really wonder if Fjord is now extra interested, he already was interested in Gree, like in any other attractive girl in his school, but if he is now extra interested in Gree because he knows Gree also likes Magna. So it's a challenge, it's a, it's a teaser. For this series, by the way, there is a very nice series of behind-the-scenes episodes on YouTube. But I watched the first two, and you really have to take care that you don't catch any spoilers. The first episode of this behind-the-scenes series, you can safely watch if you are up to episode 4 of the first season. I did put a link on the Facebook page for this first behind-the-scenes episode. It is in Norwegian, but it has the possibility of all kinds of subtitles. Two last questions. When Magne is going to look at the reindeer and he notices that the heart is taken out, but why is there a black circle around the animal? So that was one. And the other one is when Gree is looking into the family photo albums of the Utools, you find these pictures of different time periods where they all look the same. So I cannot place that actually apart from that these creatures are around for a long time and probably in different areas because it would be very suspicious if they would look the same in 1899 as on this picture as today. So perhaps they wander around. On the other hand, how does that fit to the story of 1967 where Fidar and Ren were the children, obviously, and Fjord and perhaps Saxa, I don't know, were the adults. So is the outer appearance that they have just these humans and they are all the time in the same kind of appearance and age, whereas that creature that is under it has another age and can age. Okay, that was all for now. Till the next time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. I did watch the Snowpiercer film already to be prepared for the series. Although Michael R. said on the Facebook page, the difference between Snowpiercer the movie and Snowpiercer the series may not be quite as obvious as the one between 12 Monkeys the movie and 12 Monkeys the series, but it's close. Not necessarily to see the film beforehand in either case.
I really wonder how they can make a series out of this story of the movie because, well, it will be drawn very much in length. One very good thing about it, it's made by Graham Manson and that's one of the showrunners of Orphan Black. Okay, bye, greets. All right, so we talked about a lot of things. I, I guess I just want to mention first Fred's viewing of the behind the scenes videos which as he points out minorly spoilery i'm gonna wait until we're done before i check them out so um have you looked at any of them no okay yeah and uh i i think it's just better i i get spoiled enough just you know getting on my computer so uh Mm -hmm. but the other thing that he mentions that i didn't is the black circle around the reindeer. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and uh, I wonder whether that's something to do with the reindeer being a sacrifice because we heard Saxa ask last time, uh, did you just blood letter or was it a sacrifice? So maybe that's what they do when they sacrifice an animal. They draw some kind of black circle around the, the victim. Other than that, I don't really know um but the other thing he also brings up uh, about snowpiercer that we're going to look at next week is that graham manson who was the showrunner for orphan black is uh, certainly one of the executive producers with snowpiercer so graham manson jennifer connelly i'm really yes, looking yes. forward to it yeah <laughs> So, all right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? No, no, good. I think we touched on a lot of it when we were during the course of the show, though. So, yeah. So, uh, what are you thinking for a grade? Yeah, I really like this one. I will give this a full on A. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it it is definitely like Spider Man, Iron Man, superhero origin story type stuff. This is the part we wait for. You know, Spider Man puts on the suit. Iron Man suits up for the first time. Captain America grabs his shield, pick a, you know, whatever. Um, and when, you know, he rips the Hellhound's jaws apart, as, as disturbing as that was, now he is Thor. And, uh, and, and now we're going to get to see him do what he was meant to do. Oh, okay. Um, it's funny you mentioned this other show that my wife and I are watching. She's into it. I'm moderately into it. It's on Apple TV Plus, and I, I'm able to see it through screeners. I think it's called Defending Jacob. Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey, who I absolutely love her. Have, have you seen Godless, by the way? I have it's, not. It's on Netflix. It's it's Western and and she's the principal character and that's really good uh but you know anytime something happens in in this uh, in this show i'm like uh what would cap do in this case you know and she's like what does that mean yeah. all right let me pause <laughs> yeah i know so anyway it's okay i just i don't know i'm just not into i'm not into shows where somebody is innocent and the whole thing it's like trying to prove that they're not and i know that's so many of these kind of shows but anyway yeah you know it, it worked really well uh in the fugitive 
but you know outside of that i'm not sure yeah. yeah so all right well we will leave it there and that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you guys for joining us love to hear what you think about ragnarok impulse dark uh with Snowpiercer on the horizon maybe you've got some thoughts about the movie how it's going to tie into the show join the facebook group if you haven't already emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can get on the website we'll be back next week to talk about the pilot episode of the tnt post-apocalyptic series snowpiercer but until then so it was my wife's birthday the other week and um you know uh everyone thought it would be funny if they you know gave her like gifts presents of with fake poop inside of it you know so it's just one person after the another gave her the the gift of the fake poop and she just turned to me like really angry and said you just sat there while they were giving me shit <laughs>